then guys for another episode of the Marshall View and this time we've got Duncan Andrews aka Freak on with us today who is um, expert in kind of self-protection, self-defense um, and more importantly some of the legal side of it as well which is often kind of some of the things that um, are maybe a little bit neglected um, perhaps so I'm sure we'll get into that a little yeah, bit yeah. as well. Yeah. So uh, Duncan do you just want to introduce yourself buddy give a little bit of uh, a background to who you are what you do etc and then we'll get straight yeah, into it. Yeah. Hi, my name is Duncan Andrews, as uh, already intimated there. Um, I was in the police for quite a long period of time, um, and I was in the army before that, and I joined the police, and I was lucky enough to be selected, went through the training, and became a specialist instructor at the Metropolitan Police Specialist Training Centre for public order. So it's doing all things like uh, riots, house entries, rooftop protests, all that sort of stuff. Um, and... I got quite heavily involved in the officer safety, it was like unarmed combat side of things called officer safety within the Met. Um, and I tried to develop it for the benefit of students. Now, one of my thing was always like, you know, let's, let's meet the needs of the students here. And the problem with police training, it's, it's not realistic enough, you know, that, um, and, and it's not for the fault of the guys and girls delivering it, it's because, and I'll say this, I can say it now quite freely, is that you won't get sued because the training does, is not fit for purpose. Yeah. The, the bet the, the internally you'll get sued if you get injured during training and therein lies the problem so we'd all go you know a lot of us would go out and train with other people as, as we'll obviously unfold the interview goes on for the benefit to try and introduce a lot of that into the students um so that's what i got involved I've got more more reality based stuff i played judo for a period of time mm-hmm. but that's more of a sport i'd say than martial art oh it's very good but it's more sport based Sure. Um, so the reality stuff is where I went, and we tried to get that introduced, um, and I'll, I'll update on that as we go through, I'm sure. Perfect. So that's a little bit about me. And with the use of force stuff, um, this is my main aim, really, at the moment, with the use of force. There's so many great instructors out there. But, however, use of force is, is lacking totally within martial arts. I've been to many clubs and seminars and things, and it's just, it's just overkill. It is literally overkill. And I think you've got a duty of care to your students to teach them, but, you know, if you're going over the top, and a lot of things massively over the top for what's needed, you want to put them in jeopardy. Um, I know uh, people say, oh, I'll put my hands up and turn it back off. That's not the law. That's just common sense. And that's a cliche now in self-defence. People, you know, this fence, this hands facing forward stuff, you know, sure. and barristers are onto it and everything. So, um yeah, so that's my main aim is to get the use of force within the martial arts as a, for the police side of things, not just, you know, knowing the law, which is very important, but also the process, should you get arrested, then you go to court, um, and there, there, there lies the problem, because there's, there's no such training, to my knowledge, out there at this moment in time. Fantastic, yeah. amazing, yeah. yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um, let's start at the beginning then, so you said that you started off in the army, what kind of made you want to join the army, and what was your career like doing it in the army? Okay, when I left school, I got a job working for electricity board. So I was in the stores, I was out doing overhead cable stuff. I was doing underground joining, all the big, not like in industrial, in, all the industrial stuff where there's no, no domestic stuff there, really. Yeah. Uh, it was supply chain. And then um, I always wanted to join the army. And I was when I was old enough, I kind of went for it and I got in and I joined the Grenadier Guards. And I was quite glad. I think my parents were quite glad as well because I was... A lot of my friends were getting into football hooliganism and, you know, all that sort of bad stuff. And I think it really sure. did save my life, putting me on a straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, then I went, 
went all around the world with that, really. Um, then uh, I was going to leave, but I got promoted. So I'm now in a sergeant's mess, so it's all... You see the world from a different point of view there. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I came back from Botswana, and I decided I'd had enough, and so I applied to join the police, got in, and the rest was history. From there, I went, from after my basic training, I went to Plastown, East London, which is a great place to cut your teeth as a, <laughs> as a probationary constable, because everything going on there. Then I went to the Territorial Support Group. Um, I was there for six years, I think I was there. Then I was, like I said, then I went to specialist training from 2004 till I retired 2018. Uh, and uh, yeah, got heavily involved in a lot of stuff there. Great job, absolutely best job I've ever had. That really was fantastic. Yeah, in what way? Um, it was just because tra- 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 it was real. The training was very real. I mean, it's petrol bomb training, setting all the officers on fire, throwing stuff out of buildings, all of them bricking them, like proper full-on riots they were. You know, you do violent man where they'd have to come in and get you out of the room and you could really kick off and they'd clatter you up your shields and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It was great. It was really realistic training. And no one minded that. No one knew that. There was a few people who got injured, you know, but um, generally no one minded because it was such good fun as well, you know, the, a, a riot, especially for real, it's just an unbelievable high. It really is. <laughs> I bet. It is a good fun. I so where do, you, where do you think then? So you just said that the the, the kind of riot police training, the specialised training was quite uh, realistic and specialised, etc. But where do you think that's lacking then in, in the general police um, in terms of their training? The tra- you know, why does that translate across? Yeah, the officer safety thing is because everybody has to do it. Now, to be public order trained, you, you'll volunteer. Okay. You physically have to volunteer. Now, part of obviously workplace employment law, etc., you've got to train people to be fit to do their job. So they have to do officer tra- safety training. A lot of it is spent on handcuffing. There's a huge amount of complaints against police the use of force coming from handcuffing. Okay. But they spend a lot of time on that. And it's to be fair, it's always on compliant people when you're training. When you handcuff someone, they're never compliant because you would have to handcuff them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So therein lies the problem. And they're designed to hurt quite badly, those handcuffs. They're great restraining aids. Um, then battening or CS and stuff. But people don't take it seriously enough. That's that's the problem. The the people that go, oh, I've got to go off to safety training while I'll be doing something else. But like I say, you won't get sued if your training's not fit for purpose. The metals get sued if they get injured during training, and that is a huge problem, I think. Whereas if you're a volunteer to do something, you want to do it as opposed to being made to do it. That makes sense. So when when I go and train with all the people I train with, I never once complain or turn around and say, oh, you know, I got injured during the training because I wanted to do it. I've paid money to get punched in the face pretty much, you know. So, yeah, 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 that's a different thing. That's the problem with it, really. It's it's the people internally. And also, uh, from my experience, I mean, myself and a girl called Fiona Simpson, um, we try to change it for the better and reduce a lot of Russ Jarmusty stuff, but we just met the brick wall. You know, and his stuff's great, as you know, I'll allude to later on. But with Russ's stuff, it's everything from full-on destruction to tie you up and control you and not leave a mark. You know, yeah. it's everything in between. And that's why I love Russ's stuff. Yeah. It's so fit for purpose in the modern-day world for reality-based stuff. Where do you think that inherent problem lies then with the police, like in terms of their basic training? Why aren't they taking it on board in terms of people that, like yourself that, have set, that are saying, you know, guys, this is not realistic now. You're sending officers out onto the street, etc., but maybe they're not quite equipped for the job. It, it's... My, my view is it's a tick box exercise. Like we, right. you've, you've been, I mean, where I was before, that we had to, a syllabus to deliver. 
And in some cases, we had two 40-minute lessons combined into 40 minutes. So you're playing lip service. Now, oh, as I say, if I was, you know, pulled up at this at court or whatever, they say, were you trained in it? I say, well, well, no, I was shown it. I wasn't actually trained in it. I was shown how to do it. And there's a huge difference. Practice, as you know, makes perfect for anything. But in other stuff, you know, we'd spend a lot of time, the bread and butter, we'd spend an awful lot of time doing a little, little sort of add-ons and bolts would be kind of rushed somewhat. But that's only because of the pressure of time. That's yeah. what it was, pressure of time. But the training was fantastic. It really was. Yeah. It really was good stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. When did you decide to leave the police then? Um, I could have retired in 2016 because I transferred my military service over. Um, well, I stayed on for an extra couple of years from where I was. Um, and at the end of that, at my end of sort of tenure, pretty much, I decided that was enough for me. I was trying to get civilianised and I spoke to everybody from the commissioner down and I face to face with the commissioner. Um, she was all for it, but then obviously it got lost in translation somewhere along the line. It never, never kicked off. So I left. I think I was one of the first to go. Within six months, they'd lost like six, seven other instructors. Wow. It's a bit like, of effect. Yeah, a huge amount of experience went to see, you know, to see if this civilization was going to happen. And quite a few of us left thereafter. It's a shame, really, but hey ho, I'm in a much better place for now, I've got to say. Yeah, and I work for him. Yeah. What, yeah. what was the journey like after leaving the police then did you find it an easy transition into doing what you're doing now or was there a bit of an adjustment period no honestly I did I missed a few of the, I missed what's the saying I, you know I missed the circus no I missed some of the monkeys but I certainly don't miss the circus <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. I mean I don't miss that having my life pretty much di not dictated to but kind of controlled somewhat you know what you can say and can do and all this that your life's quite restricted but now i've got no i've got no quite no regrets at all about leaving i felt quite into it really because to be fair i wasn't really a cop there i was yeah. more of an instructor you know we used to go out and get some good jobs but generally it was more you know let's, let's, let's empower everybody else to be better that was what we we're there for really yeah yeah, yeah. so, so sorry. sorry yeah go on sorry yeah, and then I've, I've worked in the Middle East. I've sort of run my own company now. I do lots of stuff out in Germany, doing situational awareness and self-protection training out there. And that's my sort of remit, really. Like I said, there's so many fantastic rally-based guys out there. I'd train with them. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah, I was responsible for training quite a lot of people in the police, too. You know, I got, I got some good jobs. I got asked to deliver packages for the immigration service. I used to deal with the Ford intelligence team and the evidence gathering team stuff, bespoke packages for them, just to, you know, what they want. I'd ask them what, the, what they had happened um, in their sort of day-to-day -day duties. And they'd say, right, let's make a package to fit that, which is, I think, that's the right idea. You know? Yeah, definitely, yeah. We're going to do this, really. Right, oh, great. It's more, it's more pertinent to their role, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Did you find like moving into instructor role quite an easy thing then? Was teaching quite a natural thing to you? And translating well, yeah. that? Um... Yeah, once I was in the army, obviously I was teaching soldiers all the time there as well, you know, so it, 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 was, it was no big deal really for yeah. me. I'm like a frustrated showman really if I had to get out of the front. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What about meeting Russ then? You've obviously said that, that Russ is quite a big influence and like you take quite a lot of what he's done and things like that. Um, so how did that all come about then? When did you meet Russ? I was on, I was actually on holiday um, 
I can't remember where it was, but it was on holiday. And I, all I, I've got Facebook on my phone or anything, it's just on my iPad. So I should check it in the morning and check it in the evening, just have to scroll through. It's the usual stuff, isn't it? People's pictures of dinners and whinges and moans. But anyway, he flagged up like someone you know. I think it was a video or something I saw. I can't remember exactly what it was. Well, this, this looks like exactly what I'm after to try and, you know, better, better the police officers' lives. So I sent him a message on Facebook. He said, yeah, come up and start to run a load of seminars. I think it's about... 2015, 2016, or something before sort of Main Streets really took off. Yeah. So I, I went up there, met him. I, met, I went up the night before because I was living down in London at the time. And, um, excuse me. And I, he picked me up, him and Zach picked me up. Yeah. Went to a pub and I sort of gave him my Standard. business card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gave him my business card and he sort of, it's the first time I've ever heard him silent, actually. <laughs> so he looked at it and went, I don't know, went like, you either want to shut us down or, Go for what we've got. I said, I'm here. I'm here. I said, if you want me to leave, I'll leave. But I'm here for what you've got. And I told him all that. And I just basically, we just hit it off pretty much straight away. Our minds on the same mindset and everything like that, you know. So, yeah. And then I've been training with him ever since. Really have. Yeah. Yeah. And her, he's, he's been very gracious. I mean, I, I'll go back go, go back a little bit. When, when this use of force thing started, Dan, that's what I want to go on to now, if that's okay, yeah. is... I think a pal of mine was a barrister. We were training, I think it was a nightclub seminar or somewhere down in London in the O2. And they was teaching stuff. And it was just like, just look at each other. I think you're going to really put your students in grave danger of the law here. So we did a little input there. And we sort of got our heads together. And that's how it came about. And then we started training with Eddie Quinn. And pretty much the same thing. We had a little work. But Eddie goes, right, okay. And as a result now, Eddie his syllabus for all these new students that come through do a use of force package. And I'll give them that as an understanding of the law for about an hour or so. And we go through little bits and pieces. And with Russ, I've developed that even further now. So we do the we do the use of force presentation and that's all the ins and outs of it. And obviously that's not only just the legislation, but it's also from the police side, you know, or everything in relation to the court procedures, all that. Then the second tier of that is we do scenario training. So I set up a load of scenarios um, and people just go in blind and don't know what's happening. The studios are briefed up and they go in and we scatter some of the other students around. Some can hear, some can't hear, some are in just only hearing, some can just see, some can hear and see everything. And then the situation unfurls and then right, call it a halt when certain amounts happened. And then go through justifying actions. And I'll say, what did you see? What did you see? And all, everybody's seen the same thing, but they've all seen it differently. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is the problem people will have in the law. I mean, I question them and quiz them and all that sort of stuff. Um, then the third phase is, what, is our next phase, is where myself and my mate is a barrister. Um, we will go through a police interview. So they get nicked, police interview procedure. So put that through. Then the barrister, he will do his bit where effectively he will pull their arms and legs off <laughs> in court. And you'll see, and we've done it before. We do it to, to, to one guy, and of course, we've done for Eddie. And he said, yeah. the worst experience in, in his entire life. See people and that's what happened. You forget that people think they're smart, but these, these barristers are professionals. They've been doing it for years. If, you get up, if you're up against them, old barrister your life's going to be quite difficult because they've been doing that job for years you know and this experience and they will they will just send you down the path the jury is their audience and they will send you down the path and then suddenly hit ambush you from every angle they are that they are fantastic they're, you know they're, they're, and it's quite nerve-wracking to be grilled by a barrister yeah i can imagine 
Yeah, it is. So that's the, that's that's where we want to develop a training. To my knowledge, no one on the market is delivering that training at this moment in time. And like I say, they go hands up and stay away, back off. I don't want to fight. Well, that's an unwillingness to fight, which is great. But then justify your actions thereafter. Yeah. CCTVs are everywhere. Video phones are everywhere. They just drop the. It's all up, going to be uploaded and press a button onto the internet. I mean, lip readers can come in. All this sort of stuff. It's every, I think about yourself. How many times you've seen stuff on the internet where it's overkill? Yeah, it's overkill, and the jury will see that. Yeah. <laughs> and therein lies your problem. Exactly. So you want to constantly justify it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it is a minefield, and that's what we're, you know. That's what we're aiming to do, especially the main streets guys. I mean, they're, they're, I think that's personally they're head and shoulders above everybody yeah. in this at the moment because we do the amount of training we do with it all. But it makes them better all-rounded people, I think. Yeah. Why do you think there's such a disconnect then between people teaching reality-based self-defense and that kind of um, lack of knowledge, maybe, or lack of um, teaching that knowledge in terms of use of force, in terms of the after process, the police interviews, the barrister interviews, et cetera, the court process, et cetera. I don't, I don't think it's ever been addressed. I mean, I know there's some people quite, quite knowledgeable of the use of force, but then, but you can look all this stuff up on the internet, you know, so there, but if I, I can read a book on brain surgery, but I'm never going to be a brain surgeon. You know what I mean? So unless you've got a practical working knowledge of it, I mean, like I said, when I did the thing for us, we did the cornerstones thing. I said, look, you know, I've used force on people many times, and also I've seen the aftermath of people using force. You know, so I've seen I've seen it from delivering it and from seeing it actually having been delivered on other people. And you've got justified actions. I'm not trying to trick people out or anything, or maybe in an interview if they're being, you know, if you're honest, it's easy. But as soon as you start telling lies, it's easy to find out. Like, just hit wound up. Yeah, he's just an interviewer. I mean, obviously, we're all trained. How many people are on on the reality circuit are trained on how to interview people? Yeah. You know, probably zero, you know. Yeah. Probably a few police officers around, but then, like I say, I was in specialist training, so that's what we did. We used, you mean, we're constantly about their use of force and justification and uh, quizzing them on bits and pieces. So, and then obviously with, with David, who's a barrister, he, it's, I don't think we've, no one else in the market's got that product. Mm. And, and that's something we really need to hammer home to keep people safe. That's what I really think, that the more, more people need to know about that. Because you're doing your students an injustice. Like I said to you, if what do I say, if, if I want to learn how to write properly, I'll go and see a calligrapher. I might just go and see a bloke with a nice pen. Yeah, the <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> person who knows, you know. So that's what we're trying to. Do. That's why I say main streets and and search a certain amount. Eddie's approach stuff is is heads and shoulders about everybody else at this moment in time because it's part of their syllabus. Yeah. Yeah. If you were suggesting someone then to learn self-defense or to learn reality-based self-defenses, would you suggest then going to something like the mean streets, going to something like the approach, something like that, that kind of encompasses everything? For someone just starting out that wants to learn just a basic level of self-defense, maybe. Yeah, I trained, I've trained some fantastic, I've still trained a a group called CODA, um, combatants group. They've got the original Fairburn syllabus. They are the actual lineage holders from them. a guy called Bill Pilkington and Les Martin, who are part of Fairburn's cadre. A guy called Pete Robbins, now unfortunately dead, and Paul Charles still alive. They, they are sort of the holders of that. They're still massively in contact with the Fairburn family. So you've got that side of things, which is real top, top stuff. Then you've got Eddie's, who's for a scenario where it's, you've got to go hard and heavy and quickly and learn something quickly, that, that's great. Then for everything else from hard and heavy through to 
fold you up in a funny shape and you know not injure you at all you've got russ and i think russ's stuff for me out of all the people i've trained with and i've trained with kelly mccann and loads of great people yeah. russ's stuff for me sits just above you know some cases quite a lot but just above everybody else's because it's because it, it's so encompassing it's so encompassing and that's what i love about it and that's why i think we had a connection straight away because you know doing bad things to bad people was pretty much our ethos you know you know keeping good people safe and keeping bad people making bad people suffer which is rightly so you know yeah so yeah his stuff is, is there um like, yeah but the answer to your question depends what you want isn't it main streets is great but you got to travel for that and it's well worth the travel we've got eddie's stuff too if you want just total destruction pretty much you know but then you've got to be wary of your overcook yeah. as well and i think you need an all-round thing i don't think i don't see to my knowledge anybody else who's fitting the mainstream syllabus for that for everything i really don't and I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up a man's ass but he's credit where it's due you know he's, yeah, it's yeah yeah I really like his stuff. And I think, you know, let me try to get it in the police. I've had Palomar and Fiona, like I say, we try to get stuff. She's come up and trained with him as well. She, she thinks he's brilliant, you know. We've just met for Stonewall, unfortunately. Again, is that yeah. just due to the top? Yeah, exactly that. You know, people don't like to have their empire taken away. You know, mm. they try and keep hold of things. We try to, well, more to, well, who's got that? Who's got this? It's, you know, well, how, else, how can we help people? rather than try and keep it for yourself. Let's let's empower people. Let's meet the needs of the students. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Maybe. This might be too simplistic a question then, but for someone that's wanting to know the basics of self-defense and the legal side of it, just from a standpoint of what they can do, what they can't do, can you give kind of a, a summary, I suppose, in terms of what you can, what you can't do? You know, like definitions like um, proportionality, reasonable force, et cetera, get thrown around a lot. But yeah. to actually hear it from someone that, kind of knows a bit more about it reasonable proportion necessary there are three standards which you'll be judged upon right so if you want to find a definition of those just go to the oxford english dictionary and that's 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 exactly what it'll be is did it was it required to be done did you overcook it yeah. and, and and is there any other option you could have done basically is a nutshell why did you do it you've got to justify those three things now for me i'm six foot six and i'm 18 stone yeah. Right. So it's going to be maybe the jury may well look at me and say, "Well, look at the size of him." You get someone who's a, a five foot two female, yeah. who's slightly built. Their use of force is different. And for, for women, why is a bloke grabbing you in the first place? <laughs> I know what I'd be thinking straight away. Why is this man grabbing me? It's not to stop me from falling in front of a car, is it? You know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. their use of force can obviously be hard because of the, the fear factor involved. And obviously, yeah. you've got age and bits and pieces like that. But you need to justify your actions and i can't tell you how to do that that's for you to, to to do that you know i'll go through it in the presentations what you need to what how your justify justification comes about but then when this is the other thing you see me doing the use of force stuff is when does your use of force step over into revenge attack mm -hmm. and there is a fine line and the barristers will exploit that to the max I was going to say, how much does subjectivity play a role in it? Because, for instance, your overcooking could be different to my thinking of overcooking. Yeah. And at that time, at that in that moment when your adrenaline's firing, you're all got gross motor skills, etc. You're not going to be thinking necessarily, are you, at that point? Oh, uh, uh, I'll stop now. Or, oh, am I ever going to cook it? Or am I going to do this? Or am I going to do that? Like, how much does it rely on the individual, perhaps? Two things for that that come down to training. Mm. 
-hmm. And that's why the scenario training is massively important because because wash up that's what it's training for to make mistakes isn't it you know let's learn let's learn let's learn let's learn make a mistake there's the place to make a mistake in training we can rectify it so like i say all the witnesses to see things and that's what i say they'll just drag you in the court say this is what i saw this is what i saw this is what the cctv saw so you individually will have to justify your actions now that's your thought process how you're feeling on the day etc you know injuries ailments all that sort of stuff who you were with I mean, in, intoxication plays a huge role in, in fights. I mean, what is a fight? It's just two egos out of control, isn't it? You know, if one, ego can, one ego can check it, there's not going to be a fight. You know, that's what it is. It's a clash of egos. Um, so you need to justify your actions. I know the training, I think, brings that out, is the answer to that question. And like I say, it's size and weight and height. Not that it matters. You could be like a big giant bloke, but you could just be like soft as butter, couldn't you? You know, so... You know, but you've got this perception and you could have someone a five foot two female, she might be an MMA fighter in a spare time, you don't know, you know, so they put your money on who, don't you? So, yeah, but it's your actions. And this is where the training comes in because we you see people getting grilled. They don't like it. They really don't like it because they're having their, their, their actions pulled into account. That's what has happened. Why Does not, the law why take not? into account any training that you've done previously? Like if you were, say, an MMA fighter or you were, I don't know, uh, yeah, a seasoned black belt or something like that. That that will come up to the other thing I'll say is, is right, let's have a look at some people's profiles on Facebook. Most people have got Facebook out and you see them and their knives out and punching and looking at all these daggers and stuff like that. A <laughs> jury sees that straight away. What's their picture of you? Yeah. yeah. You're hung before you've even been tried, haven't you? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, that all goes against you as well. But if you've got some kind of training and that would obviously come out, if that does come out in court, you can justify it. Yeah, I've done driving course. So I've, I've done this course. I've done that course. So yeah, I've done that. But I, I believe that my actions were sound and judge and, and uh, reasonable for this reason. Mm -hmm. you, you've got to convince the jury. You know? The police would just say, you know, when they're doing their interview, yeah, we've got enough evidence to charge you. And then you get charged in the CPS and then decide whether it goes to court. And if it goes to court, you might be on a sticky wicket. Yeah. Because obviously you've gone through those three processes where there's enough evidence to put you in front of court, so they will put you in front of court. And then they will, and the barristers will just, some of the, obviously the, your defence barrister will be quite soft with you. And then the, the, the uh, prosecution barrister, they will literally now pull you up and legs off and nail them to the witness box in front of you. It's like modern day hand drawn in court, really, it really is, but with words. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Yeah, you, you need to justify your actions. That's it in a nutshell. And that's why training comes in in relation to that. And the quizzes, the questions, yeah. So what's your plans then? How do you want to take this out to people? How do you want people to know about this more? And what's the plans for, I don't know, taking it out and exposing more people to it? I think I'd I, I like people to come to the Cornerstone seminars if we ever, you know, we're, we're, when it's training. Again, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just... With this COVID, everything's pretty much on the back foot, isn't it? You know, we don't. I mean, I've been up to Russes and we train, we'll be very socially distanced and stuff. You know, in, in your own bubble and stuff. Uh, and we did. I've done a couple of presentations since, and everybody's sat, you know, kind of meters apart. He's got quite a big places, you know. So we we do that um, just to keep people on tick of it. But I think what they need to do is either come to Cornerstone seminar yeah. if they ever come back up again, or maybe I can run some kind of online stuff. I don't know. That's something I'll have to look into. But that, that's the current climate, isn't it? For you know, it's it's yeah. because it's not really a physical course. It's a cerebral course for the learning yeah. of the this scenario training needs to be physical I and mean, I mean, this current climate down that, that's a bit of a problem 
But yeah, I like to do that and then maybe put myself out a bit to, to, you know, to get people safe. That's my aim, is to keep people on the right side of the law. It's not only knowing what the law will do to you, and it will now you up, but also how you can work within it, you know, mm. how you need to justify your action. And I think that, that and like we were saying with Russ and Eddie, and that, it, that's a huge thing that's lacking in today's world you know there's a thousand one ways to hit someone but there's only one way to beat the law and that's pretty much not to beat it but to work within it is to know it you know so that, that, that's our aim for that yeah definitely what do you think do you think there's a difference between teaching martial arts and then teaching self-defense well i'm not really like, I'm they not merge sure. or do they are they separate yeah they do i mean I, I was there. I would say I'm a martial artist. I'd say I was more sort of self-protection, self-defense type stuff, you know. So, um, of course, they blend because they they mix because there's little, most of the techniques come from our martial base, like Mars and the Mars kind of war. So, yeah. However, <laughs> you should, I don't think you should have a martial arts instructor teaching self-protection if they've never had a fight apart from in the dojo. Yeah, because there's, there's no reality, there's no bell, there's no hajimi, there's no precursor to that to that fight. Boom in your face and let's go, as you know. You know, it goes from nowhere and it just all of a sudden it flares up. But even then, there's 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 a ritual nine times out of ten involved to it, and that's all part of the training as well. You know, we see it, we watch videos, and we discusses what's happening there, and then we replicate that in training so people kind of get accustomed to it. That's what it is. Yeah, but so. Martial arts and self-protection or reality-based, they do blend because a lot of the techniques come from it. But then it's a lot of range stuff, isn't it? You know, it's, it's that middle range, as you know. So what, when, we, when we've got a little club here, we run, a few of us will get together once a week and train. And we say, like, either be out of range yeah. or be massively close and down to nothing. And that, that's where we work out or really ECQ, like extreme close core stuff. Yeah. Don't want to be in that competition range should we say definitely yeah, yeah. that's where we work our stuff from and, it, and it's different it's all about controlling stuff and like i say with russ's stuff i'll say his name again sometimes you get close enough you just wrap them up yeah you know you train with him you know you know just like you just whoa that's, that's the end of me like you know and I've not, all, this, all of this has been intense pain and i've got no injuries and yeah, yeah. how much easier for you to say when you go this is what i did fair one you ain't gonna go to court you ain't gonna get nicked yeah you know, I know. if I just poke my finger as hard as I can in your eye and pull your, pull your groin out, you've got a lot of explaining to do. There's a kettle of fish there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was looking at the GBH line and all that, even if it was self-defence, you know, you've got to justify that, and that's hard to justify. Definitely, yeah. What's your thoughts on then, um, obviously taking maybe Eddie out of the picture, maybe Russ out of the picture, what's your thoughts on general reality-based self-defence, both here in the UK and abroad as well, having worked with lots of different clubs, instructors, etc. Do you think the standard's generally good or do you think the standard needs to be improved? Who I've trained with has been good. Okay. But then I see things on the internet and I think that's, you know, you're, you're, you're Charlotte. Yeah. You know. But then, uh, but then uh, you, the beauty of the internet, I think, Dan, is you can see and you can assess before you actually go along. And you, and you see some videos, you just, you just, oh my life, you know, you just, it's just, uh, it's just embarrassing as well, and it's, that will never work. But then some people get deluded and, li and live in this, this uh, you know, this will work, having never, ever pressure tested it. And that's the other thing, you've got to pressure test stuff, haven't you? Yeah. But I, so I've trained with Kelly McCann um, three times now, and he's, he's like, for me, he's, at the moment, he's like the top known combatant guy. He's quite a few well-known ones, but for me, Kelly McCann stuff, 
he's, he's down low as well. But that, once again, everything with COVID is just, it's all up in the air, isn't it? You know, it's just a huge problem. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen to the to the kind of self-protection scene in terms of both instructors and in terms of students then? What do you think is going to happen in the next six months? Because obviously it's such it's such an important thing for people to learn, whether they're kind of frontline, whether they're just doing it for, you know, just for their own personal safety, I suppose. But it, as you said, that pressure testing at the moment, it's all got to be theoretical or cerebral, as you said. Yeah, I mean, you've got bobs and bags and stuff, but you know, mm. was it Bruce Lee said, was it boards? Bob's Don't hit back. back. I just honestly don't know the answer. We, we just no one knows what's going to happen. You know, it, I think something's going to have to give in 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 relation to all of this. I mean, what about the second lockdown nationwide now? Aren't we? You know, obviously the COVID's out there and, it, and it's, it's a problem. But I don't know. I don't, people are what I'm hearing and seeing people are having enough of it now you know I understand that it's not good but it's it's a big mental health issue for people as well and that's a huge problem huge. So, and, and the trailer like you say training training is a great what it's a great stress reliever it's a great yeah well any type of physical activity martial arts anything like that's going to be good for your physical health your mental health etc isn't it yeah yeah, and it, yeah, it, it is a great stress reliever. It's very social. Everybody, even though you're there to sort of knock seven bells out of each other, you will have a drink and like, oh, that was a good shot and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> as soon as you, you hit someone, you, you feel, you don't, you know, hitting your mate's weird, but you still kind of feel, oh, you, you kind of stop, don't you? You make sure they're all right, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. you'll be there to do that, do that, but you want to stop as well. And I think it's a great social thing up there during well, before, during and after, really, you know, sitting out a beer and stuff. And those days are gone, they can't go out the pub and have a beer anymore. You know, afterwards, and those sort of, you know, relax and rewind. And that's where bonds and things take place. And that's a big mental health thing. But to answer to your question, I honestly don't know where it's going to go. I honestly don't know where it's going to go. And like, you know, you can't train online. You can't grade online. That's bloody ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you can, you can throw your straw man around the living room. Brilliant. <laughs> Black belt. Nah, I don't worry yeah. It's, it is a shock and it, it is bad for um, the instructors, the good instructors out there, you know, to make, you know, to make their living that way. It, it, yeah. it's, a, it's a hard thing to do at this moment in time. It's tough I already feel, yeah. But, you know, I honestly don't know. I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. No, definitely not. Nobody knows. So yeah. your plans for the future then? You've said that, you know, the Cornerstones thing is something you're already going to push forward. Um, yeah. Is there anything else on the horizon that you're looking for? Um, I still do work out in Germany, but that's all social distance now. So we do more the um, situational awareness yeah. stuff. I do for a company out there called Sirius, and they run a lot of um, industrial sites and stuff. And it's predominantly women. So my my thing with situation is where I you know I stand alone, I, I'm different. I think because if you can see it happening, it doesn't happen. If that makes sense to you, you know, if you can avoid it, you know, driving your car, see some break, you break. And if you just carry on, you're going to plow into the back of them. So yeah. yeah. All about avoidance and, and being aware of that. And women absolutely love it. It empowers them. We do stuff because not only can you use it in your work life, you can use it in your profession, in your private life too, you know, shopping. I do loads of anti-terrorism stuff in relation to that. I got involved with a uh, religious premises training just before the end of last year. And then obviously that was all sitting at home office level now, apparently. And uh, COVID hit. Everything's just shelved. Everything is just shelved. It's all stand-up training. Yeah. And you can't have it, so it's debilitating. But every, you know, 
that, that's what I want to do. Carry on. I want to try and get back to normal, but then travel restrictions. And, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a long old slog, I think, to some level yeah. normality again. I mean, you can, you can still fly to Germany and stuff like that, but it's then getting bums on seats, you know. The, the contract's still there for me, but it's getting the, getting the people out. I mean, you go to Germany, you get tested and know your result in four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. The six-week wait, and then you have to wait a day once you've been tested. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, there lies a problem. But uh, it's a worldwide thing, isn't it? And obviously, you've got yes. Brexit, so uh, that's going to affect my Germany stuff. I don't know. Fun Keep smiling, that's still all you can do. That's it, yeah, just keep smiling. Upside down, yeah. That's what, that's what I want to do, try and get back to normal. And then if if we do get back to normal in the near future, which I'm sure we will, some kind of normality, that's what I try and get this this use of force stuff out there for the, for the for the guys and girls training to keep them safe. That's the thing, I want to keep you safe. I don't want you to get, get into trouble because your life will just take a totally different avenue if you get you get caught. Even if you get caution, it, it, you know, it, it goes against your job prospects and all sorts of things. Well, you hear the horror stories, don't you, of people going out for a pint, having an argument, one punch, smack their head on the concrete, done, <laughs> brain dead, yeah. done. One punch so, kills, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's it. I mean, I think it's Lee Myers and he said, grab them and then fucking hit them. But then every time you hit them, you know what I mean? Because it's all we're going to say, you know. And even if you try to help somebody up who's unconscious, it's really quite <laughs> difficult. You know, really, uh, with them, yeah. You know, yeah. Even if they're five stone, you know, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Um, so, it's good, it's good advice, but you, 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 it's just, it's just a, it is a minefield. And that's what I want to keep everybody safe. And it's ego control. If you, <laughs> that's like I said on the main street, but self, you know, we teach all the fight and stuff. That's self offense. For me, self defense yeah. is, is not being there and, and, yeah, and yeah. not being. That's the best self defense you can have. Swallow yeah, best self defense when nothing happens. <laughs> Yeah, my pal of mine when I was in the army said, win or lose, it still hurts to eat your breakfast in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> True story, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, we've got a couple of questions then from people that are just onto the blog. Um, it's more physical questions. So someone said, would you advocate an open hand strike or would you uh, advocate more of a closed fist strike? For me personally, I prefer open hands only because the job I did um, and I've got really flexible wrists, so if I punch things, I tend to bend my wrists over. And also, with the job I did, I need my hands to maybe control them, handcuff yeah. them, use batons, other bits and pieces, especially firearms officers. That, that's my personal opinion. And if you're good at punching, it doesn't smash your hands up, then do it. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know, I, I, I advocate open palm strikes. Well, Baz Rutan does as well, doesn't he? He's yeah. you know, he he's a, you watch his videos from his early days, he was on bone strikes. Yeah. I think you lose it in one of his videos that he says, you know, use this bone strike. It's just immense power and you can still use your hands. But that's not for you to try and see you get on. If it hurts your hands, use a bone strike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I would say. But also, um, well, thinking about that, in video footage and still photography, an open pass strike could, could appear to be like a push or a slap, etc. So I like to slap it, as, you know, as opposed to a punch. There's a huge difference. Albeit, yeah. I think, bone strike's pretty much more powerful, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, and also the still photographs, it, it, it shows, with the beauty of a still photograph or, and also against it, it just shows a snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't show the before event, it certainly doesn't show the after event, it just shows that small snapshot in time. So if that comes up, you know, that, that, that's a different thing. But you'll save your hands, depending on your profession. You know, if you're good at punching and you've got good knuckles and punch. If you haven't, like me, or bendable wrists, slap them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, someone else has said, for a female perspective then, um, right. what would you say is a good way of, uh, this may be difficult kind of over a video, but um, a good way of defending against a rear bear hug, either static or being dragged as well? Well, there's, there's two things that there. there's arms in and arms out, one arm in, one yeah. three, arm in, I like that. You've got to work on the fingers, so wrap, wrap into the back of the hands. Women, if they can get their hips off to one side, slap behind with open palm, grab the genitals, rip and twist, pull them out. Um, but that and that could bend a finger back, all those sort of instantaneous pain snap, and then starts working the groin, turn around and make a chin jab. And chin jab have finished most people, I think. <laughs> Good job, chin jab. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's trade, isn't it? See what works for them. You know, there's, there's three options there straight away. Yeah, buying the whole lot. You know, rap turns, grab rib. People still put their arm back, arse away from you if you strike someone's genitals, and then you've got a space to escape from you. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. And then the final one, then someone's asked about reach. So obviously, yourself six foot six, and then me yeah. five foot six. Your reach is going to be quite yeah. a little bit comparative. Like, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a difference going on there. So someone's asked, how do or how would you combat height difference? Right, okay, this, this is quite a difficult one for me to answer because it's not, only, I've only got one pal. Who's not really a problem for you. He's an inch shorter than me, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> difference, right? He's a bit heavier than me. Um, so what we do, because I, when I train with the, the guys at the clubs and that, and I put my arms out, and we just basically slap the arms down and clear them or push them out of the way, some kind of like circle drag, that sort of yeah. stuff, clear that, get the space. Like I say, we work... We work out of range or massively in it, you know, right in it. Like we say, like getting a t shirt with them, you know, yeah. you're that close and you're working in close, then that's when you can do your strikes. Yeah, range has got a huge thing. So stay out of it, come in it, or learn some kind of arm clearance drill to get in. I mean, like Eddie's stuff, smash the hand down, get out of the way, just wrap on the knuckles, finger strikes to the eyes. That sort of stuff's available to you. Or if you're, if they're, if they've got a longer reach, they're generally going to be taller than you. Yeah. If you can get under and you're good at some kind of takedown, that yeah. single leg and dump and trip and all that sort of stuff. There's, there's options for you. Duck down, backhand, slap into the genitals, bring them straight down, come back up, maybe chin lift to take them down. There's, there's a multitude of options. You just play with them. That's what you got to do. Get someone with a good groin guard on who's taller than you. <laughs> just work on work, drill it, drill it, drill it, and find what works for you. Then drill it till you own it. That's my advice for that one. Perfect. Last one then. Um, someone said, what's your opinion on ground fighting? Whether the fight should go to the ground, whether you should keep wow. it standing? I'm glad you asked this. Now, if you can, obviously try to stand up. But if you, if you don't know what's going to happen, there's a, there's a quote that is made up or not. There's like a lot of people go to the floor and it does go to the floor, you know. Yeah. And it, especially in my job, you want to get people on the floor. It's easy to restrain them if you're above them. With that, we did some training um, at work when I was at the specialist training centre. We did it in a dojo, a beautiful dojo, a lovely padded floor, padded walls. And we do all stuff in the judo days, like working around the body, holes, turns, transitions into handcuffing and knocking stuff. Brilliant, worked great, we all drilled it off. Then we went outside and did it on the concrete. We got about 10% of it off. Right. <laughs> and therein lies the problem. So you see like uh, my mate Dave is, is, is the barrister, he said he went to a seminar once and there was a BJJ guy there. And I was going round and I was asking, how would you do this? And apparently Dave said, the BJJ guys went, I'd get on, get on my back between two cars. David, you're an idiot. He said, you're going to get the fuck They're going to stamp all over. No, no, no. He said, no, no, no. You know, you, you've got to train it. Train it on the mats, brilliant. Go out on the grass, go out on the gravel, go out on the, on the concrete, mm. then do it. Ah, don't work so much. Yeah. And that's, that, that's reality-based. You know, <laughs> don't kid yourself on, it's going to work. 
yeah, you yeah. can't bridge out your head and your elbows and your knees can't <laughs> take it, you know, especially on gravel. Jesus, it's agony. You scalp yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, with your elbows and your knees on gravel, as you know, like you kneel down to do some screws up or something. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, you can your knee. So you don't really need, yeah. yeah. So train it soft, go out, train it on the hard, don't work, bin it, try something else. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's what I think about that. Yeah. If you can stand up, you can. Get away. Don't fight. Control your ego. Don't fight. Best self-protection there is. Perfect. Cool. Amazing. Thank you so much, Duncan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Wittered on too much for you. No, no, not at all. No, it's really interesting stuff. So, yeah, really appreciate it. As always, thank you, mate. Um, and hopefully, yeah, um, the cornerstones will be happening soon and we can get back to yeah. some semblance yes. normality and hopefully I'll see you at Russ's place at some point and we go yeah, and you stuff and yeah, yeah. learn some stuff. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you very much. Cheers. Right. Cheers, Duncan. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye.